Hello and welcome into the Right Bench Podcast. I'm Noah Ferguson alongside Logan Hill, and we're back for another episode talking Maryland men's basketball. Logan, how are we doing? I'm good. I'm good, Noah. Um, I mean, just a, a snowy Sunday night here in College Park and just, I don't know, feeling good, watching some playoff football. Can't complain. Well, we got a lot to, uh, to catch up on about this weekend review. So uh, just to take, take you through a, a little bit of what happened this past week, Maryland picked up its first conference victory of the season in dramatic fashion, beating Northwestern in double overtime, 94-87. to 87. Then they came back and sub- subsequently fell to Rutgers at home, 70-59. to 59. And Logan, you and I were, were both there at that one, and our guest that's coming up very shortly was, in fact, at the Northwestern game that was on the road. So the Terps are now 1-5 in conference play, 9-8 and eight overall on the season. And breaking news tonight just came out a, a couple minutes before we started the pod. Uh, Maryland men's basketball just picked up former four-star shooting guard Cassius McNeely from Texas A&M. So we'll get into all that in, in just a little bit. So now we're going we're gonna to move on and talk about the first of the two matchups that happened this past week, as we alluded to earlier. Uh, first, against, first against Northwestern picking up that double overtime victory. And now I'm so excited to bring on our good friend, TLB leader, Kevin McNulty, the man, the myth, the legend. Thank you for coming on, Kevin. How are we doing? Gentlemen, um, didn't take very long for me to, to catch my invite to the Right Bench podcast. I'm very happy to be here. Um, yeah, you're number, number one on the list. Number one. I Asking you shall receive, I, I guess. But uh, happy to be here and uh, break down uh, – the highs and lows that we saw over the past week for, for this team. I, I witnessed the high on uh, Wednesday night, and then the, the low was in College Park this weekend against Rutgers. Well, yeah, Kevin, and it helps that you were on location for Maryland's only conference win so far this season. So that, you jump up the short list real quick. Well, yeah, and it, it took a lot to get that win, but they eventually got it done. Um, one and one and five now after the loss to Rutgers, but yeah, yeah, you could you could tell um, uh, on the road those guys were exhausted by the end of second overtime, and Eric Ayala admitted it post game, and they they were just happy to get a win again because it had been a few weeks, and big t- it's hard to win the Big Ten. I mean, ask Michigan State; they just lost to that Northwestern team at home. It's it's a weird conference, and it every Every game's a tough one. Yeah, and uh, in, in that game in particular, as you said, it's all it's all weird in the Big Ten. But that game was especially weird. We were we were gearing up for it to be one of the the all time Maryland basketball chokes after having that six point lead with with thirty seconds left, and then obviously what transpired transpired. What were what was your reaction as you were on the call for that one, Kevin? Yeah, I was on the air for WMUC Sports. Um, uh, upstairs at Welsh Ryan Arena, it isn't very big. It's uh, seats maybe eight thousand, so it's not like if I was in the top row of Xfinity, I'd be a little bit farther away from the action. But still, on the Dante Scott foul, um, the turnover out of, on the inbound play that was not announced when they were reviewing it or when the decision came out. So then I'm I'm just talking into a microphone. I'm like. So apparently Northwestern has two free throws in the ball, and I have no idea why. And then, you know, what transpired, transpired. Eventually they end up tying the game. And, I mean, credit to Maryland for sticking it out after that because you're right, that was an all-time choke. And you know what? It was a career game for Eric Ayala, but Fats Russell really carried them through that first overtime period in into the second when they really ended up kind of dominating and you know getting getting the seven point win but Fats Russell playing with four fouls really showed himself as as a leader on on Wednesday night yeah Logan uh what were were your thoughts as you as you watched that one as I as I struggled over my gamer my game story for that one yeah absolutely like oh my goodness starting with the absolutely already (laughs) But, uh, yeah, you had the gamer for that, and we were talking back and forth, and just 
watching it down the stretch, it was you were thinking, okay, they're up six. Just inbound the ball, shoot some free throws, and they'll get out of this one. They'll get their first conference win. Of course, not with this season the way it's gone. Uh, Maryland squanders that away. And then it gets to overtime, and you just got to think, like, this is where it's going to just turn over, and somehow Maryland's going to lose a game they should have won in dramatic fashion. Obviously, they're able to pull it out. And, Kevin, you mentioned with Fats, he played with four fouls through both overtime periods. So just good play by your graduate transfer point guard and just a leadership moment right there, and he came through. But I'm glad I didn't have to write the gamer that night because I would have ripped up my whole story. Yeah, I, I tweeted about it. I said I, I feel like deleting my whole Google Doc at that point. I had my lead written. It was Fats had an incredible charge that he took. Um, and I thought that that sealed the game um, in the in the second half. And then all of a sudden, the flagrant foul happens, and they they kind of devolve, and all of a sudden we're in overtime, and then double overtime. But uh, credit to him, and I I also thought that uh, Xavier Green played his best game as a Terp. Really, he had some he had some quality shots there that I hadn't seen from him all season, and he also played really big defensive minutes, particularly when it got late and they needed an energy boost. So credit to Fats Russell and Xavier Green for kind of uh, carrying the load late, um, uh, despite Eric Ayala having that, uh, that career day with the first double-double and uh, career high in points. And Noah, just – sorry, but real quick, I actually texted you. I don't know if you remember, but Hakeem Hart scored a – like it was a reverse layup, and I texted you Hakeem Hart dagger because I know you, you like you some Hakeem Hart content. And then that happened. So I was, I didn't, I don't think that I can jinx sporting events. I don't think that anything I say can really have an effect on what happens, especially when it's an away game. But that, that moment had me um, trying to figure out if I was a psychic because it was scary. So I'm glad that one didn't come back to haunt me. So Maryland able to get their first conference win of the season. Yeah, no, I appreciate the hype for, uh, Xavier Green because he is outstanding defensively. I think you you've seen it in a couple of games now. He doesn't get the minutes that you know the starters get, and I think he knew that when he came to Maryland that the starting five was was pretty much set, and that's hasn't really changed much um, until Rutgers really. Um, so the, he's not getting the starter minutes. I mean, he ended up playing 31 minutes in the game against Northwestern, but just locked down defensively. And it was, it was actually really fun to watch in a game like that when defensive possessions were so, so important. Um, every time down the floor, he was locking people down. I mean, Chase Adige averages in double figures and overtime, double overtime game fouled out with nine points. I mean, Green was on him for a while. And a lot of credit goes to him defensively. The other thing I wanted to bring up about this game was Maryland missed 14 free throws. It would not have gone to a single overtime if they had been a little more consistent at the line. And again, it, it was it was Fats that really sealed the game in, in double overtime at the line. He was nine for 11. Um, and, and more more on defense, Danny Manning opened his post game press conference with that. Uh, three uh, off offensive rebound possession that Maryland had in double overtime and Northwestern just couldn't get the ball back and they ran out of time. Um, it helped that Pete Nance went out with an ankle injury uh, in double overtime too. The wind just kind of came out of the Wildcats sails and then they beat a top 10 team without their best player a few nights later. College basketball doesn't make any sense, but it was a gutsy win. It was a gutsy win for Maryland, and they really got it done defensively. Even though, I mean, played 50, 50 minutes total, holding Northwestern to that eighty-seven mark is pretty impressive. Yeah, really, really, really gritty win. Uh, it must have been cool to see it in person. So uh, I guess we're we're gonna move on now and take talk about the uh, the negative that happened this week, which was the Rutgers game. You thought maybe Maryland could take advantage of some of the momentum they got from their first conference victory, and it looked like it at the beginning of the game, uh, entering halftime with, with a double-digit lead, but that uh, quickly went right down the drain. So, Logan, uh, you, you were there live right next to me. 
What did you see from uh, from the Terps in this one? It was just it was just the tale of two halves. You hear it all the time in sports, but I think that's what you can chalk this one up to. Is they played a great first half. They had the energy defensively. They were getting steals. They were getting in the passing lane, getting to the free throw line. I think they shot what was it close to fifteen free throws maybe in the first half alone, and then just in the second half, all of that kind of went away. And I mean, you kind of have to expect the free throws to even out a little bit. Um, Rutgers only shot one free throw in the entire first half. It didn't end up being that close, but the free throws went away from Maryland and just, I mean, they scored 21 points in the entire second half and Ron Harper Jr. had 20 on his own in the second half. So it was really just Rutgers putting a bad first half behind them and Maryland not knowing how to close out a game where they led by double digits. But I have a stat for you. I had to find it. Patrick Stevens uh, covers for, I believe, the Washington Post. Great Twitter follow. That was the first time Maryland blew a lead of double digit. They went from a double-digit halftime lead to a double-digit final deficit since March 31st, 2001 in the Final Four against Duke. So, I was not alive. Yes, yeah. that hasn't happened. A game like that hasn't happened for Maryland in quite some time. Wow. Yeah, Kevin, uh, what, what did you see from, from the Terps that – maybe was different from Northwestern or something that, that kind of led to their demise uh, the other night? Um, Ron Harper. <laughs> um, Northwestern doesn't have a Ron Harper. Um, I don't know. You guys were in the stadium, but the broadcast that um, was watching BTN kept flashing up that Rutgers was 5-0 and when Harper scored uh, 20 points or more. Well, he scored 31, so that kind of really sealed it for Rutgers. They were just the better team in that second half. Um, you know, Maryland didn't have it all together uh, coming out of halftime. Um, you know, the, the veteran leaders, I think that falls on them, you know, not, not necessarily being prepared for Rutgers. Who's still a good team. There's a lot of vets who've been around for a while Ron Harper. They went to the tournament last year. They beat Maryland at home last year. They've been around, um, and they, they just weren't ready for that. And Harper's a, a great player, you know, future Washington wizard, maybe Noah. Yep. He's coming. He's, he's coming home to DC to link up with Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. Dream team. That'll <laughs> take him to the promised land. Maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we can beat Kevin's bulls. If we have Ron Harbor jr. Not with IO man. Oh yeah. I, I yeah. forgot. I mean, he just got his Jersey retired, right? Yeah. At the Maryland game down there. Uh, good day for Illinois. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, any, any other thoughts about, about uh, Rutgers before we head into uh, my, the most exciting portion of the, of the podcast today? I just I had one more thing, and it's kind of what Kevin touched on earlier about how Xavier Green hasn't quite – he's been playing well but hasn't seen the minutes increase. And down the stretch here as we watch a Maryland team that's searching for any sort of answer, that could change. I mean, we finally saw them tweak the starting five ahead of the Rutgers game, Julian Reese got his first start. And while you're not going to take Fats Russell off the floor to start or Eric Ayala off the floor to start a game, maybe Hakeem Hart goes to the bench and you see Greenville in his spot. I just think that more tweaks could be coming. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I, th I think you're right, Logan, um, especially if they reach a point to the season where the tournament looks – completely 100% out of the question because it's very bleak right now. And that's going to be my final point after the Rutgers loss is I've said it earlier, no nights off in the big 10. They were one and five in conference play last year. The circumstances of this season are obviously 100% different. You don't have, you know, the heart and soul of last year's team, Daryl Marcel or Aaron Wiggins, who's, an NBA player and looking like he's really going to make a career in the NBA. You don't have those guys, but you're still one in five in the big 10 where you were last year. Um, it's not impossible, but it's very, very bleak. And I would call this Michigan game on Tuesday. I know you guys are going to preview that later after we, we play Noah's game, but that is as close as a, a January must win as you can get for Maryland. I think that's a team that looks pr pretty bad themselves have had a tough time adjusting without Mike Smith and, and Franz Wagner um, that they had carrying them to the tournament last year were, you know, 
Big Ten champions, and they don't look like that at all. So Maryland really needs to, you know, they got a road win uh, last week. They know how to do it. It was at Northwestern. The students are back at Michigan. It's not going to be easy, but they they really need that one because the path to the tournament without it is all, all but done. Yeah, I, I agree, Kevin. And like you said, it's looking bleak right now. I think the other thing that this team is really going to have to do to, I mean, have a shot at the tournament by the season's end is, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe last season – they, they picked up some wins. They did start one and five, but they were beating ranked opponents. I think they went into Wisconsin and beat a ranked Wisconsin. That, that was that was the one win over the first six games was on the road over a uh, top 10 Wisconsin team. So that's also a big difference. Yeah, so just if they can – and I don't know how many ranked games they'll end up playing down the stretch. They have some good ones here, it looks like. I mean, Purdue, Michigan State, um, just to name a few, Ohio State. So if they can steal some of those games somehow, then – their case for the tournament looks a lot better. Yeah, and, and uh, especially in the Big Ten play, I mean, they haven't been completely outclassed in a majority of, of the games they've had. They had halftime leads, as we were talking about last week, against Iowa, Illinois. Obviously, um, the, other, the other team got the better of them, but it's not like they've been blown out every, every game. So there's still potential for, for – uh, a, a resurgence down the down the road but it is as you guys have both said looking a little bit bleak so yeah, uh, if i'm not wrong i think they've had a lead in the second half of every game this year um so like they've been there they just for whatever reason eric ayala was that guy on wednesday night in, in evanston the guy they can go to at the end of games you guys were talking about that last week it I don't think Ayala does it consistently enough where it's like, all right, Maryland's going to win this game. It's close. Like we, you know, like we had that feeling two years ago when we were, we were watching that Maryland team. We're like, oh, you're losing on the road to Michigan State who you're going to end up sharing the Big Ten title with. Anthony Collin, just like score 10 points in the last two minutes. Like, go do that. You don't have a guy like that. So it's tough. They've been there. They've been in every game. They also haven't really blown a team out in a, in a win either. That's just the type of team they are. They're going to get a win. It's going to be hard fought. It's going to be a close game. Um, but, yeah, they got, they got to close the deal. Like that Wisconsin game, that one might stink. The one-point loss, that would have been a ranked win and a big one. It would have put together two, two wins in a row in the Big Ten. That, that one might sting later on this season. Yeah, well, some some great analysis from the lads about uh, this this week in review, and looking forward to what's coming next. And we, Logan and I, will have a little preview on that later in the in the uh, on the podcast. But before we do that, my favorite part of the podcast has now arrived. Uh, we're, I'm calling it "Guess That Stat." As of right now, maybe we can think of a more creative name later, but. So basically the premise of this game is I've pulled some stats from Maryland's last two games uh, combined, and I'm going to have Kevin and Logan guess who the Maryland player is. I'll be keeping score to see to see who takes the, the victory today. Are, are we ready? Yeah. Can we pick the same player if we both yeah, have the same Yeah, guess? you can pick the same player. Hopefully I haven't made them extremely obvious, but, you know, they only – they have, what, an eight-man rotation, so – it's 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 a little difficult to find some stats, but I, I my goal is to stump both of you at least once. So we're gonna get started. Um, so here's the first question of the day: Who is the only Terp, excluding Ian Martinez, who has played very limited minutes, to score zero points in the second half of the game against Northwestern? and against Rutgers. And this is not including overtime. So the second half against Northwestern and the second half against Rutgers. And oh, not Ian Martinez. This was a good one. I'm trying to rack my brain here. Can I think of every possession from both games? <laughs> Wait, did you give us a hint and say this player does play a lot or he so I didn't like I didn't want it to be like a player that played like 3 minutes in both this player, okay. I'll give you a hint. This player, I think I got it. You think you got it? I'm gonna. Uh, I have my guess. What's your guess, Logan? 
Uh, I'm feeling my guess for this one is uh, Kadoosh Wahab. That was that was me too. Ah, you're both correct. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought maybe I could stump you on that one. That yeah, Caduce Caduce has uh, kind of disappeared later in in games, and maybe that's foul trouble. Um, but he scored as as the as the game is. He scored zero points in the second half. Again, and he did play. Granted, he did play ten minutes in overtime, both, both overtime periods against Northwestern. But it's it's a little bit. His I mean, he he didn't start in in against Rutgers uh Julian Reese got the start but it is a, it is a little bit concerning to um to see the lack of production down there for Caduce Wahab um uh, Logan and I have talked about, about his struggles a little bit not saying that you can't have a second half uh surge but it, it is a little bit concerning to see him not producing offensively aside from the beginning of games yeah, no, and uh, the reason that it kind of jumped out to me and that's what I wanted to go with is it's not for lack of touches because he's a big part of the offense. They like to run the high pick and roll with him, the dribble handoff with him. But when he gets down and he gets doubled, he kind of gets flustered sometimes or he puts it up and goes to the line and then can't connect. So it's, it's a lot of just like minor tweaks and then he could have eight point second halves, 10 point second halves. And so – I don't know. And we've also seen them more in recent games, kind of use some different rotations, go with uh, Dante Scott at the five and um, Reese obviously getting the start against Rutgers. So I think he can figure it out, but I mean, he does, he does disappear for stretches, which is concerning when he's your biggest player. Yeah. Well, Hobbs a guy who can be effective on the floor and not score. Um, I think from the get-go of the season he was scoring way more in non-conference play against teams that couldn't really match match up with his size but like you said Logan they love paint touches Maryland that hasn't changed since Turgeon left that was one of his favorite phrases to use in post-game press conferences he would look at how many paint touches they had and like Wahab is a big part of that and he's been the same way for Manning you know a former college and NBA center you know a guy who knows the position probably better than anyone, played it better than anyone in college, maybe or arguably ever. I mean, top five for sure. Danny Manning was a great college player, so he knows how important that position is. But Wahab maybe is just, like, falling out of favor with Manning. He didn't get to start um, again in the last game, and he just hasn't been he hasn't been that effective like i'm saying he can be very effective on the floor if he's not scoring but he he hasn't and i i wasn't shocked that that was the the answer to your your question noah because he's kind of just been invisible on the floor yeah the uh, we can segue into the the second question while Caduce wahab has had uh slightly less minutes with his with without starting in the last game which Terp over the last two games has averaged the most minutes per game? Well, it's one of two people. I have two people in mind as well. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit tricky. Um, uh, this, this player, I'll give here my hint here, which actually that's probably, probably not a big hint, more of a fun fact. This player played 48 minutes against Northwestern. Had a lot of, a lot of playing time. Well, I'm going to go with Ayala because I know he didn't get into fall trouble against Northwestern. Um, and obviously, I mean, he scored, what, 27 points? First career double-double. I'm going to go with Ayala. I know yeah. he, was up, he was close to 50. I was originally going to guess um, Dante Scott, but then when you said 48 minutes against Northwestern, um, probably not. I'll go with Hakeem Hart for this one. Logan Hill is correct. Hakeem Hart has has the most he had 48 minutes against Northwestern 37 minutes against Rutgers that was a surprising stat for me especially because uh, Logan knows me as a as a big Hakeem Hart guy I think he, his potential is through the roof um, but he spends a lot of his time in the corner and maybe that allows him to stay in the game longer because he's not involved offensively all the time but um, it's interesting that despite the fact that he's I think third, probably not first or second, third or fourth on the team in terms of um, shots taken per game. He's it, it, over the last two games averaged the most points. So Hakeem Hart's been getting a lot of burn recently, and you can see it early in games. 
he's he's he has some good production, but kind of like Kadus Wahab, he or he kind of he kind of fades away a little bit, and some of it is he's not getting the touches because Ayala is taking the shots in the second half, but he is getting a lot of minutes in Danny Manning's rotation. So Logan, you're two for two right now, and we're gonna move on. I mean, do you guys have anything else you want to say about Hakeem Hart? Uh, I don't know. We just we uh, we did watch him on a handful of occasions on uh, Saturday, that two o'clock Saturday Rutgers game, where on the offensive side of the ball, he's just a non-factor. And we were talking about it that day, and it just feels like a lot of it is they want to run their set, and a lot of time their set is a three-man game, and it leaves the two guys on the other side of the floor kind of just spectating. So I don't know exactly what the answer would be to get him more involved on the offensive end. I don't know if that means different offensive sets, completely different looks. But, yeah, I mean, he's playing a lot of minutes, and he is making an impact more often than not on the defensive side of the floor. So you would like to see that leak over onto the offensive end just for him as a player because it helps your confidence. Yeah, well, I, if you asked that question and Hart was the answer at the beginning of the year, I would have not believed you because, yeah, I mean, he was obviously a starter, but playing the most minutes uh, in, in conference games is kind of surprising. Um, but Danny Manning likes to use him, like, like you said, in the, in the corner, allows him to keep him out there. And he's averaging in double digits now, too, I think over 10 a game, um, which, which is solid. Um, but you're, you're right, Logan. He's not always necessarily used in the best way as well. So. All right, we're going to move on to the third of, of five questions. This one's a little bit different. This isn't a, a person that you're going to be guessing. Um, and, and I'm guess if, if we're judging by points, um, it, it's, a, it's a statistic itself. So whoever gets closer, I guess, gets the, gets the point here. But how many points was Maryland outscored by in the second half against Rutgers? Ooh, I do know the answer. So Logan, you know it on the on the dot. I definitely do. I think I think I have it. I'm trying to remember if I can picture the box score because I remember looking at it in post game. I think it was. Hold on, let me do my math real quick. So Kevin already. Kevin says he knows it. So we'll go with Logan first. But Kevin, you can't change your answer if if he says it. Yeah, I, I want to say they were outscored by 27. So so they were down 11 or Maryland was up 11 at halftime. They ended up losing by 11, 22. Uh, Kevin McNulty has tied the game at two. I didn't even do the math. <laughs> it was 22. Hey, Logan, Logan's like, I'm going to do the math and then doesn't. Oh my it. God. I swore <laughs> that the post game, like the second half where it showed how many they scored in each half was 48 to 21. So I was trying to double check that like five times in my head, but it wasn't even the right number. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 22 points, that's – that's. Uh, I mean, it may, maybe it got a little bit out of hand late and it wasn't completely a 22-point a, a um, thing. You know, if, if at the end when, when you're not trying to put the ball in the basket every possession. You know, but it, it's still – that's still – especially when you're up by 11 at half, it, it really hurts. It, you can't win Big Ten games when you're being outscored by over 20 points in a half. Um, and I, it's, I guess that's the Ron Harper Jr. effect. Um, yeah, Noah, that's the thing, though, is Harper Jr. had 20 just on his own in that second half. So, I mean, he was basically matching pace with Maryland's entire offense. So you get a couple contributions from some other guys, and that's how we see them end up losing by double digits. Yep. All right. Well, yeah, that was a little bit of a straightforward one. Um, so next we're going back. The, the rest are, are players, Maryland players. So another semi-negative statistic, which Terp over the last two games has shot two for 11 from three-point range? An abysmal two for 11. I have my guess. Let me know when you're good, Kevin. Um, two for 11. Yeah. All right, I think I have my guess. All right, we'll have Logan go first. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, Fats Russell. Also also my guess. I'm not sure. 11 seems like a lot, but over two games, one of them double overtime. I'm going with Russell, too. That is correct. You're both correct. Fats Russell, 
He was 0 for 5 against Rutgers and 2 for 6 against Northwestern. He had those two. He had two big threes. Those those threes were big against Northwestern. Pretty much back to back too. Now he gets hot. Yeah. If he's not if he's not hot, he's not hot. He's <laughs> yeah. You could see it. You could see it against Rutgers. He really really struggled from from long range. But that's not the 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 strongest point of his game. Um, right. So I don't want to pick on his three point shooting. You know when when three point. When three-point shooting isn't your specialty, you're going to have bad stretches. And he hit some quality shots against Northwest, Northwestern. So a two for, two for 11 isn't the, the most um, egregious statistic, especially from a point guard. But it is a little bit uh, a cause of concern um, for Fats. If he can get that up a little bit, especially with how close all these games have been, who knows, it, it could make a difference, especially when you're, see, when you're seeing your leader, your leader point guard, um, hitting hitting three pointers, it can kind of carry throughout the whole team. Yeah, I agree. Uh, just and one thing that I feel like is worth noting is he hasn't, at least this season, it hasn't felt like he's lived by the three and died by the three. When they're not falling, he can definitely go attack other areas of the floor, and I think we've seen that, especially with the way Ayala likes to shoot the three ball this year. So if they're both, if they were both chucking them up, it's I mean you're going to lose possessions that way. So at least a little bit of credit to Fats for when they're not falling to just be able to go find a different shot. We've seen him do a lot of work lately with that pivot foot right around like the top of the paint. So I don't know, explosive player and smart enough to know when that's not his shot to go find something else. Yeah. All right. Well, we're coming down to, uh, you're both what, three for four. All right. So here is the last question of the day. We're tied. At uh, three to three to three, in going into the last question. So, which starter, which starter, has had zero ter- total turnovers over the past two games? That's pretty crazy. Yeah, zero. It, and he's a uh, he's a starter. So we have a one in four shot because you can eliminate Wahab and Reese probably. Um... They didn't start both games. Zero turnovers in the last two games. Like, total. Not one turnover against Northwestern in double overtime or against Rutgers. Okay, I just – I have my guess. Like, I can keep trying to figure it out in my head, but I'm just going to lock this one in. Yeah, I have my guess, too. So I'm going to go with um with Dante Scott just because I feel like Fats definitely – he's the point guard. Like, turnovers kind of just happen sometimes. And then I feel like I can't – I don't want to say it's Akeem Hart or Alice. I'm going with Dante Scott. Um, We definitely need a winner in this game. So I'm going to go with Ayala because I, I do think – Dante Scott was my other guess, but I think I do remember him having a turnover at Northwestern. Unless I'm crazy, so Noah's going to tell us. The correct answer, one of you is right and one of you is wrong. The correct answer, which has blown my mind since I found this statistic out, is Eric Ayala. Kevin is the winner of the inaugural uh the inaugural game that we have played stats. The uh you don't even remember the name of the game. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot the uh the name of the game, but guess that stat champion kevin mcnulty congratulations i guess we got we got to talk about it a little bit i thought it was absurd that eric isla has had zero turnovers in the past two games combined i i literally had to double check because i i i couldn't believe what the amount of times that he has the ball and i don't see him as a as a non-turnover prone guy i mean i i just assumed that he would have turnovers because he has the ball so much but not one single turnover I, that's crazy. That um, I just looked. He played 33 minutes against Rutgers, and we know he played 48 uh, against Northwestern. He he has the ball all the time. That is really incredible, and like good on him, because it's not easy just to take care of the ball 100% of the time. Um, that's good good stat, Noah, because I had no idea. Um, you wouldn't. I mean. You wouldn't necess- that's not something you necessarily can see in his game, but I guess if you look at the, the stat sheet, that's true. 
um, good, good for Eric. Yeah, no, that was, that was a really good last question. And just for me, it was the same line of thinking, as I said, with Fats Russell is they're both handling the ball. They're both up top running the offense. Turnovers happen. So it's really surprising that two straight games with zero turnovers. And we've talked since we started this podcast last week, I mean, but um, we talked about how Maryland's been searching for what their true leader is, who their true leader is. And I mean, that's a really good start to have zero turnovers and back-to-back games. That's what you want from your point guard or your shooting guard that was on the wooden list to start this year. So. Yep. Um, Great stats. I have two more for you guys that pertain to the Northwestern game um, that I couldn't believe because it just seems so improbable. Uh, these came from Jason Yellen on Twitter. Um, that was Maryland Wednesday night against Northwestern. That was Maryland's first overtime game in over four years since December of 2017. 1,500 days they, they won down in Champaign in overtime. And it was their first double overtime game since their very first game in the Big Ten Conference on December 30th of 2014. Wow. which was over 2,500 days ago. So I, I don't know how you go four, over four years without playing a game in overtime. Um, this is pretty fascinating. Um, but, yeah, even even longer since they went into double overtime. You witnessed history firsthand, and, and they got the win, so it must have been a good – how was your voice after the game, Kevin? You were talking for hours. Yeah, it was really long, and it was – really late on the east coast i know it had like i left like the stadium like eleven thirty central after the press conferences and stuff um finished up but yeah it was a long time to just be talking by myself I, it was fun and late in the overtimes the there was music playing the whole time and i don't want to go off the air so i was just screaming up up and up in the rafters there were like there was no one there um, so the music was really unnecessarily loud. Um, voice, you know, had hot coffee in the morning and it was, it was good, but yeah, it was tough for a while. How was the, uh, media food? Uh, no media food. Oh, nothing. I mean, that was the case of Maryland. Um, back when they played, uh, for, Lehigh, right? Yeah. For a couple of games, but there wasn't much going on. Um, yeah, I was the only member of the Maryland beat that was there. Unless I was missing something. I don't know. Some of those uh, Medill kids were walking around with, like, Pepsis or something. Um, I didn't get anything. I, I'm well fed at home, though, so I don't have to worry. When I'm at school, I'm, like, free food. Like, I have to eat it. Like, I'm, like, putting Subway sandwiches in my backpack. I'm, like, this is free. <laughs> like, I'm taking all of it. But at home, I, you know, I get home-cooked meals all the time, so. All right, well, well, Kevin, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with us. Uh, we really we appreciate you taking the time and for all the, the hard work you put into TLB and covering Maryland athletics. And uh, so, so thanks so much. Excited to see you back in College Park uh, very soon. On Friday, uh, when Illinois comes to town, I will be on the sideline. Let's go. I'm very excited. Um, I'm very excited for the uh, Right Bench podcast to take off. Um, I'll get you a logo. Absolutely. Uh, this week. I'll be bored. Um, sure. Kevin, before we let you out of here, we need score predictions for this week's games. Okay. Um, Tuesday at Michigan. I'm going to give Maryland the win 65 to 61. And Illinois comes to College Park. I'm sorry, (laughs) Maryland fans. Um, If you might be excited by a win on Tuesday, maybe, possibly. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about Kofi Coburn. And that was an unbelievable performance down in Champaign uh, when Maryland lost there from him. He was, he was a 27 point swing in that game. Um, If he, stays out of foul trouble Maryland has an uphill climb for sure so I'm gonna go with 74 59 uh Dylan, are you writing that down so we don't forget 
Um, we'll have record of it because this will be on Spotify. But that those are my predictions. A one in one week, just like we're recapping right now. We'll see if I'm right. Thanks, we, Kevin. We will see. Thanks. Thanks, Kevin. All right, guys. I'll see you very soon. Absolutely. See you, Kev. So long. What a guy. Yeah, I mean, Kevin, right. Kevin McNulty, one of the best. Um, I've been friends with him since his time at Merrill started. I mean, you guys are the same year. I met Kevin on the volleyball beat for WMUC Sports. So we did a ton of games together. That was my sophomore year before any COVID or anything. And I never would have thought I would be working with him as much as I do this year. So it's just really cool. Yeah, Kevin, uh, I mean – with with sports journalism, especially at UMD, but but around the around the globe and around the country, it's it's all about the people you follow on social media. And Kevin was one of the first people from Merrill that I followed uh, on on Twitter. I fortunately got a follow back from from the great Kevin McNulty, and he he is just he was somebody that I was like, you know, he's doing everything. He he's he's he has a hand in every pot and. Um, I really, I admire Kevin as, I mean, as a person, he's a great guy. And, and as a journalist as well, he's a talented, talented guy. He'll be on everybody's TV very, very soon. So we'd like to thank Kevin one more time for, for being on. He'll probably be on again. He'll, yeah. we'll have, we'll have Kevin on again. He's, he's the man. One thing worth noting, and I mean, you're listening to this, so you couldn't see it, but he's been over break. He's been working on a very serious moose stash. So. If you see Kevin, just give him props for it. He's been working very hard on it. Oh, yeah, and he, he's rocking it, too. I don't think I could pull off, a, a, as Kevin says, a mustache yeah. like, like that. So props to Kevin for, for doing what we all aspire to do, which is grow a mustache. Speaking of facial hair, um, I, as we just said, we're, it's, it's audio, but my, my pal Logan Hill is growing a very nice beard that I think he needs to keep. <laughs> um, and he was talking about shaving it, and I was I was uh, very disappointed that he was thinking about sa- uh, about shaving it. So, if you see Logan Hill in person, compliment him on his lovely facial hair. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm definitely gonna keep it through like the end of winter break, just to see. Like, it's probably been about a month. See what it looks like. But I get so how we were just talking about how Kevin can grow such a great mustache. The like mustache part of my beard, I hate it all the time. Like I don't feel like it grows in that well, so that's why I end up always chopping it off. But, I respect it. I never grow my facial hair out because it always comes in super patchy. Does it come in blonde for you? Yep. Yeah, so, that's another tough one. Yeah, it, yeah. I'm not. I I don't rock the facial hair. So yeah. once mine gets long enough, it gets like a little bit of like red in it. Mm-hmm. So oh, people, yeah. people are like that's that's crazy but i mean it's my face i can't do anything about it <laughs> that's enough talk about facial hair let's get back to um maryland basketball that's right and we're now now we're going to preview uh next week next week uh maryland's going to michigan uh to take on the michigan wolverines on tuesday and then they'll be back home for a rematch against illinois on friday at home in college park which now that I think about it, it's going to have more people there just because people are slowly creeping back into College Park from winter break. Um, I'm assuming that there's going to be more fans there. The, the last couple games have been pretty dead, at least the home ones, just because um, everybody is, is gone uh, away from College Park. But, uh, yeah, there will be fans back. And so I guess we can start with with Michigan. Michigan coming off a really tough stretch, lost to UCF, lost to Rutgers, postponed. Michigan State got postponed. Purdue got postponed. Then they got smacked by Illinois, who just beat Michigan – beat Maryland, excuse me. So they're not coming in like the normal Michigan team we're used to seeing. Yeah, and just, I mean, looking back at their schedule right now, Tuesday's game – when when it gets all when it gets the tip off, it'll have been a month since they've won a basketball game. Their last win coming on December eighteenth to Southern Utah. I mean, they won that one eighty seven to fifty. Hopefully that's not how Tuesday's game turns out. Hopefully it's a good matchup. But yeah, I mean, just looking at the schedule, losses sandwiched with postponements and canceled games. It's just for a time of the year where you need to be starting to hit your rhythm and clicking on all cylinders they're doing the opposite of that. And I mean, they've struggled so far. So. 
yeah, and, and as I was saying earlier, it's just it's it's very different um, to see a Michigan team like that struggle. And as Kevin alluded to, Franz Wagner's not there um, anymore. They're 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 losing some some of their their veteran talent. Um, but uh, I I don't assume that Michigan's going to be uh, out of the tournament. Uh, I don't think that's their trajectory, but um, Maryland might be catching them at the right time. Um, and with Maryland in dire need of, of conference wins, if they want to get a spot in the tournament, this, this could be an opportunity for them to capitalize, albeit on the road against a, a Michigan team that's, that's really struggled. And um, then, then obviously the, on Friday, they're back home against Illinois you know how Illinois games at home go. There have been some classics. We talked about it last week on the pod. Our, our favorite game as fans was um, Anthony Cowan's Gary Williams shot um, against Illinois, the gold rush game. So you never know what's going to happen in a Big Ten game, especially Maryland versus Illinois. But, but Logan, as we saw, Kofi Coburn really took over that last game when, when Maryland hit the road to face Illinois just a, a week ago or so. So how do you think that Maryland could, could kind of try and slow him down or, or have a chance to, to take, the, take the win? It's a great question. Um, I don't really know because he's a seven-footer. I mean, I don't know exactly what he's listed at weight-wise, but probably like 265-plus, 260-plus. Like he is a freight train down low in the post. And you want to say just glue Wahab on him and be quick to bring a double, maybe try that. But then you could blink and Wahab could have three fouls in the first half. There's just really not a good answer. We saw it in their first matchup this season with the Illini is the best answer to stop Kofi Coburn is to make him not be on the floor, get him in foul trouble early, keep him out of the first half, try to keep him off the floor in the second the best you can. Because, I mean, Kevin said it, he was a 27-point swing in their first matchup this season. So, He's a, he's a game record right now, and Maryland is a team that's very susceptible to being wrecked by game wreckers. But I want to go back before the Illini game, before the Illinois game even happens, is, look, Maryland might be catching Michigan at a good time. One thing, at least over the last couple of years, that doesn't bode well for them at all is Hunter Dickinson plays for the Michigan um, Wolverines. I don't know why I couldn't think of their uh, mascot there for a second, but he went to DeMatha and he had a personal gripe with Turgeon. I guess he didn't think he got recruited enough um, by Maryland to come here. And so, I mean, Turgeon's not here anymore. So I don't know if maybe he's let some of those hard feelings go, but he just seems to kind of access another gear when he plays against the Terps. So, I mean, he's averaging 16 points on the season. So if he has another gear to go against Maryland, it could be a similar to a Kofi Coburn situation. Yeah, Logan, in all honesty, I'm disappointed. You know, uh, we were all looking forward to seeing Mark Turgeon versus Juwan Howard, too. Um, obviously, they had their little scuffle last year. Hunter Dickinson has, a, has, as you said, a gripe with Maryland basketball and, and Mark Turgeon. And Daryl Morsell kind of got into it with him on social media last year, if you remember. So now Daryl Morsell's gone. Uh, Mark Turgeon's gone, yeah. so maybe that I mean, animosity's gone. But we were supposed um, to go to the Michigan game, all of us. Like we made plans back, I think in November, and then with everything that happened, it's just there wasn't a reason to book that trip anymore. So yeah, it's not the it's not the mono mono um, elite matchup that I mean, who knows? It's uh, it, Big Ten games are Big Ten games, you know. But uh, Maryland was ranked coming into the year, uh, and uh, I mean, and Michigan is Michigan. So um, maybe we were expecting a, a little bit more, um, but everybody just loves drama. I'm a big, I'm a big drama guy. So it's maybe, the, maybe, maybe there'll still be sparks that fly. Who knows? Maybe, yeah. maybe, uh, maybe Caduce Wahab and, and Hunter Dickinson uh, start talking trash. And you, and you see Julian Reese is a fiery, fiery guy. And he, he, he dunked over Kofi Coburn and kind of stared him down, yelled at him in uh in their last matchup so who knows with big, the big 10 there's a lot of emotion yeah no and i mean the drama it's it's storylines and for us watching every game covering the team we eat that kind of stuff up and i think you would have a better bet of it being julian reese hunter dickinson yeah, because well, yeah, yeah. produce is just more of a soft-spoken kind of just handle his business guy i can't really see him getting into a war of words with with hunter so 
I, I don't know. I mean, we saw it this week, and it wasn't even a Maryland game with Northwestern taking down Michigan State, that just because you think you know what's going to happen in any given game in the Big Ten and really across college basketball, we don't. It's uh, whatever team comes out and plays better that night. So Maryland just hasn't had that juice to come out and be the best team any given night yet this season. But you, you can go into every game hoping that that's the one that they do finally. And, I mean, just for the sake of the game flow, I really hope Michigan's game is just at least a close back and forth, like hard-fought game because, I mean, that's way more fun to cover and just more exciting. So, and if you're just going to – and I'm sorry, I'm kind of running on here, but – to, um, I mean, in a season that a lot of people probably will chalk up as a lost one at this point, I mean, what is it, nine and eight on the year? It's just you want every game to at least be entertaining. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's really my takeaways about Tuesday's game. Yeah, and, I mean, we can talk a little bit a little bit more about Illinois. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk about our game predictions. We got Kevin's earlier. I, so, since we're, we're going to – I guess we'll, let's just wrap up uh, Michigan. What's, what's your – Score prediction, Who's who do you think is going to win, by how much? Um, I'll go – I'll rock with Maryland on this pick, and I'll, I think it's going to be close to – I think it might be a little bit higher scoring than Kevin had it at. I'll go Maryland uh, 73, Michigan 68. I like that. I also like Maryland in this one. I just think that they're catching them at the perfect time. Um, I also think that they're going to want to avenge Maryland women's basketball, who just got their 31-game home winning streak snapped by uh, Michigan women's basketball in decisive fashion. I mean, I mean, Michigan's team is just—I mean, they—they got shooters, man. The their women's team is no joke, 11th in the country, and uh, Maryland obviously, obviously uh, suffering a little bit there. But yeah, I think that the the men's team um, is gonna, I think, is gonna pull through. I'll I'll give the score, I'll I'll say seventy one to sixty four, Maryland. Um, so who knows? Maybe all three of us will be wrong. Maybe maybe we'll all be right. So we'll see. And obviously next week you can you can check us out out the same way you're checking us out right now. Um, to see to uh, hold us accountable if our if our picks are egregiously wrong, and uh, I guess we'll we'll segue into Illinois. Now we already talked a little about a little bit about Kofi Coburn. Um, so what do you think? What do you think the final score is going to be there? For that one, it's it's hard to. I mean, we saw it once already this season. It's hard to not foresee it kind of playing out the same way. I think Kofi's going to come to College Park, and I think he's going to dominate. So I think he's going to be close to another 2020 night himself. And I think Illinois will come in here. They got shooting. I think they'll come in. They'll take care of business. I think I'm going to go with Illinois. Uh, 79, Maryland, uh, 61. Wow. So that's a, that's a, what is that? 79, 61. I'm a journalism major. So 18 points. Yeah, I mean, I just – and that feels like a lot. Like, obviously, you don't want to pick Maryland. They played every game close so far this season. But I think a lot of how – what's that game on Friday night or Saturday night, Illinois? Um, I think a lot of energy is going to get expelled against Michigan. So, that to me is a letdown spot, the Illinois game back at home. And if Kofi comes in ready to just do what he did in the last game, I think it could get out of hand kind of quickly. So. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go with a widespread on that one. You know, I was, I was thinking Illinois all the way up until right now. I'm going to take the Terps here. And I know that that's not a, a pick that makes too much sense statistically because of how Kofi Coburn really dominated. Um, and this is not a Homer pick. I don't, I'm not picking them because I, I want them to win. We're covering the team. We are, we are not, uh, invested that way but I think that uh, I think that seeing a team twice in such a short span um, does does give it a distinct advantage to the team that had lost previously I mean Julian Reese he had that one he had that one dunk over Kobe Coburn but other than that Kobe Coburn completely outclassed him and now that Julian Reese is going to probably if if uh, Manning goes with the same squad as he did 
going to see Kofi Coburn more often. And I'm not saying that Julian Reese is going to go one-on-one with Kofi Coburn and go back and forth the whole time. Kofi Coburn is one of the best players in the Big Ten. He's huge, and Julian Reese is a young freshman, uh, still needs to fill out his frame a little bit. However, I think that the way that that teams adjust after they see teams once – it, it, it could it could swing things a little bit and you as you you talked about this earlier the the recipe for success uh, against Illinois is to keep Kofi Coburn off the floor and if the Terps can do that I think that they really have a fighting chance and I think that um, depending on how the Michigan game turns out I think that the Terps could could uh, maybe split the season series with Illinois so I'm gonna take Maryland. I'm going to take them 68-66 Terps. So okay. very, very close. Uh, there's no way that they're going to blow out of Illinois. There's just no way. But um, maybe to be a contrarian a little bit, um, I'm, I'm taking the Terps here to, to uh, overcome their demons and defeat Kofi Coburn by keeping him on the bench. Yeah, and I, I like that take a lot. And maybe um... – my, my score prediction has me putting no faith in the Terps at all. And that wouldn't be fair because they've showed us this entire season is that they can play with anybody, but I don't know, just in my mind, I guess maybe I'm giving too much credit to the Illini here the same way that Maryland's going to regroup and come with a different strategy this time around. Maybe Illinois comes with a better plan to keep Kofi on that floor in the first half. And he does what he did in the second half of that first game, the entire game. So I don't know. I think a lot of it depends on his availability in that specific game. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to segue to our last segment of tonight's show and which is this week in Maryland basketball history. Um, so Logan, why don't you take the first, the first little bit of history away for us? Yeah. And so um, there was a couple things. So I, I put them all in the, in the doc for this one. We'll start with January 16th, 2016. Um, at the time, number three, Maryland, took down Ohio State 100 to 65. It was the first time they'd reached 100 points since 2012. Um, some players you might remember from that season, Robert Carter, he had 25. Rashid Suleiman, former Duke Blue Devil, had 22. And Diamond Stone, the prodigal son of Maryland basketball, had 15. And back in January 2016, Maryland moved to 15-3 and three that year. And, of course, Noah, that was the year that they went to the Sweet 16 and fell to Kansas. So a lot of good things going on um, that year for Maryland basketball. Yeah. And um, so I, I, I guess I'll take the second one. Um, so January 18th and through the, through the, the 22nd, January 18th, 2003, Maryland took down Duke and North Carolina in the same week. They beat Duke at home 87 to 72 and North Carolina in North Carolina, 81 to 66. That was Duke. Duke was number one in, in the country, top ranked team in the country. And it was their first loss of the season. And that was their first win against Duke at the Comcast center back the Comcast center days. And Maryland was 29 of 31 from the free throw line. Didn't suffer a letdown against the Tar Heels. So some some good nostalgia there. January eighteenth. That's my oh, that's my half birthday. January eighteenth is my half birthday. So maybe in two days. What's that? Tuesday? That's when this episode will probably come out. Yeah. So when when you listen to this, I want you to go on Twitter, go on social media, and wish me a happy half birthday because I'll really appreciate that. And it's something that I like take I take like really seriously. Like I I always celebrate my half. What do you do for your half birthday, Logan? Um, for my half birthday, it's always, um, typically, I guess it's always, it's always the same time, but it's the end of March. Uh, it's starting to get a little bit nicer out. So normally I'll just try to, um, maybe enjoy the weather if it's nice out that day or it's, it's close to tournament time. So I'm probably watching basketball. So, or I guess it is tournament time end of March. So definitely watching basketball on my half birthday. Yeah. I mean, my half birthday last year was, I mean, my parents took me to Cancun. So I mean, like just for your half birthday. I can't imagine yeah. what you did for your real birthday. Oh, my, my real birthday? Oh, uh, no, nah, I, I was just chilling for my real birthday. But my half birthday is what matters. Anyway, so that'll do it for this edition of the Right Bench Podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. Uh, have a great night. Absolutely.
Thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks, guys. Um, yeah, thanks as always for tuning in. I mean, two episodes strong now. And I just wanted to close out uh, this week's show by just sending some prayers up for uh, Maryland women's head coach Brenda Freeze. She lost her father, Bill Freeze, um, just before their game against Michigan on Sunday. So, well wishes to her. And uh, I, like I said, just prayers up as she goes through this time. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. Uh, she came and talked to uh, classes. She's always super nice with, with journalists. Maryland women's basketball is one of the best beats to be on. So um, I, I too wish her, wish her the best. Yeah. I mean, one of, one of the nicest people that I've come into contact with during my time here as a, as a reporter, as a student, I remember uh, 2019, I was doing a press thing for Terps watch and I was asking like the freshmen some questions and, I was just had some downtime and I wanted to go ask Brenda Freeze a question to see if I had the guts to do it. And so she gave me a great answer and it was, it was really cool. And that was actually one of my first clips ever. So just uh, well wishes and thoughts are with her as she goes through a hard time. That's going to wrap it up for tonight's right bench podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This was a great one, and there's, there's plenty more to come. So stay tuned for Logan's coverage and my coverage for the left bench, as always. Thanks again for listening, and uh, have a great night.